1: Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: The Telegraph, the Telegraph. podcasts. The 50-page document that'll see the UK out of lockdown.
3: Our journey has reached the most uh, perilous moment. We can go no further than to announce the first careful modification of our measures.
2: But what do these modifications mean for businesses? When will schools open? And is a summer holiday out of the question? This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Much of what is desirable is not yet possible. That's the warning of the 51-page document laying out the government's plans for lifting Britain's lockdown. It details a three-phase strategy in which the Prime Minister says he wants to give people hope. It was perhaps not the great step forward some had hoped for, but the country does have a better sense of the timeline we might be working to. The first of the measures, which only relate to England, will come into force on the 13th of May. That's this Wednesday. Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland hold their own powers over the lockdown and haven't lifted measures to the same extent. If all goes according to plan, England will see a gradual return to normality. But Boris Johnson was keen to stress that to avoid a second wave, the changes are conditional and life will be different for the foreseeable future.
3: We will be driven not by hope or economic revival as an end in itself, but by data and science and public health. And so the government is today submitting to the House a plan, which is conditional and dependent, as always, on the common sense and observance of the British people and on continual reassessment of the data. Different parts of the UK may need to stay in full lockdown longer, but any divergence should only be short term.
2: So on today's podcast, we'll be breaking down what the changes mean for work, leisure, travel, school and socialising. In other words, what this all means for you and what life will look like going forward. Boris Johnson has himself acknowledged that easing the UK back to normality whilst keeping the R value down, the rate of infection, is a mammoth task. And it's one my colleague, Global Health Security correspondent Anne Gulland says could well be impossible. The balance between giving people greater freedoms whilst trying to eliminate the virus.
4: A viable vaccine is months or even years away, so to avoid any second spike in cases, the government must rely on good, old-fashioned public health control measures. These include testing people and tracing the contacts of those who have the virus. The number of tests being carried out have increased over recent weeks, but they can take several days to come back. A pilot for a contact tracing app has only just been launched in the Isle of Wight although the government insists it will be nationally available by the end of this month. During his speech last night, the Prime Minister talked about the reproduction number. The number has to be below 1 if the disease has any chance of being controlled. In the UK, it is now between 0.5 and 0.9. But the reason the number has fallen is because the majority of us have vastly reduced the number of people we meet. One study suggested that we have reduced our daily contacts by an average of 70%. The danger now is that easing of the controls will lead to confusion and a more laissez-faire attitude among the public. And without strong public health measures to back up the new, more relaxed regime, will this give the virus a chance to return in an even more deadly second wave?
2: It's no longer stay home, but stay alert. The government's new slogan designed to get some Britons back to work. Anyone who can't work from home is being actively encouraged to leave their house, avoiding public transport where possible. The slogan was rejected by leaders in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland who branded it confusing and said that they would continue to tell the public to stay home. And Labour leader Sakir Keir Starmer joined them in criticising the government's messaging.
3: What the country needs at this time is clarity and reassurance. And at the moment, both are in pretty short supply. And at the heart of the problem, it seems, is that the Prime Minister made a statement last night before the plan was written or at least finalised. And that has caused considerable confusion.
2: If you've spent any time at all on social media this weekend, you'll know that no sooner was the graphic published telling people to stay alert, control the virus and save lives than it became a meme. But these are serious times and very serious decisions. With an R value between 0.6 and 0.9 and therefore very close to one in certain parts of the country, how can the UK return to work safely? The Telegraph's economics editor, Russell Lynch, says workplaces may
0: look very different. Firstly, if you're one of the country's legions of office workers in a non-essential occupation, your office is going to be your spare room or the kitchen table for months to come. The government guidelines published today say that for the foreseeable future, workers should continue to work from home rather than a normal physical workplace wherever possible. With transport capacity drastically cut back, home working opens the door for employees in sectors like construction or manufacturing to travel to workplaces, although the guidelines again stress that public transport should be avoided unless absolutely necessary. Firms will have to adapt, and some construction firms are experimenting with social distancing technology to ensure builders keep their distance, and many are working on the basis that the social distancing policies could be in place for a year. The government is also publishing later this week COVID-19 secure guidance for industries, which will eventually aid the resumption of office life, albeit at a two-metre distance in reconfigured buildings. With schools still closed for now, the problem of looking after children remains, while trade unions are also concerned about safety and travel in overcrowded trains and buses. Ministers warn in their guidance that the world will not return to normal after COVID-19. The world of work has already changed for millions of us, and probably for good.
2: The hospitality sector and non-essential retailers remain closed, with plenty of workers staying afloat with the government-funded furlough scheme. It's currently paying up to 80% of their wages. That part of the workforce won't return until at least phase two. That's not before June the 1st. And for those of you who understandably keep emailing me about hairdressers, yes, that means all hair and beauty salons too. Greater clarity on the timeline of when workers will have their incomes restored means the government can start thinking about when the job retention scheme might end. And my colleague Ben Gartside says we can soon expect news of that as well.
0: Further details on the furlough scheme are expected on Tuesday, with my colleagues reporting that a much-touted flexible furlough system will be opted for, meaning government will pay 60% of wages and workers can return to work part-time, most likely in preparation for further loosening of restrictions in June. Some business leaders are raising concerns, though. Sir Lloyd Dorfman, Travelex's co-founder, told my colleague in an interview that the scheme was unsustainable for an extended period of time.
2: If you're still feeling unclear on the government's policy or of the implications of the gradual return to work, Mariana Hunt from our personal finance team will be answering all your questions on that subject in a live Q&A on the Telegraph website at 1pm on Tuesday. I'll put the link to that in the show notes to this episode. <laughs> A return to work means parents acting as supply teachers may have to shut their pop-up home schools. But what then of the children? And with warnings that the lack of schooling could be widening the attainment gap between richer and poorer children, when can we expect a safe return to education? The Telegraph's education editor, Camilla Turner, has been following the plans
5: in the first instance we'll have reception year 1 and year 6 students all returning to school on the 1st of june and he said it's the ambition that all primary school children will be able to return by around mid june which gives them a month of school before they break up again for the summer holidays now this has not gone down well with the head teacher unions they've said that ultimately it's up to every head teacher and school's governing body to decide whether it's safe for them to re- open, whether that's safe for staff and safe for pupils. Other teacher unions um, have criticised this, they've said this kind of timetable is reckless. That's the National Education Union saying that, which is the biggest union representing rank and file teachers. The government are publishing some more information about how exactly this is all going to work, how teachers can use their own creativity, their own kind of innovation to make sure that when children are at school, they are observing social distancing. This could be um, staggered break times, staggered lunch times, staggering the start and the end of the school day, halving class sizes of maximum about 15 children to sort of limit the exposure that children have to each other while they're at school. We also learned that it's very unlikely schools will be fully open in the normal way anytime soon. The government cited SAGE modelling, which said that it could lead to a resurgence um, and a second wave of the virus, even worse than the first, if schools were to reopen. So we now know that's very unlikely for them to reopen fully in the way that they were before. The government have also said that year 10 and year 12s will be able to have some face to face time with their teachers before the summer holidays. These students are in the middle of their GCSE and their A level courses, so there's a particular concern that they're missing a lot of valuable class time while schools are closed. (laughs)
2: Reducing social contact was the very aim of the lockdown, but in news which divided the nation, a gradual and controlled return to socially distanced socialising, gosh, try saying that three times fast, will begin for many from Wednesday. While some were pleased with the idea of seeing one person from other households, others said the advice was hypocritical and confusing. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab started the morning saying it was okay to see both your parents in a park, provided all three of you sit two metres apart. But not long after, the government went back on this, saying that you can only see one parent at a time. The Telegraph's associate editor, Camilla Tomney clarifies the rules.
6: So the new guidance says that from Wednesday, people can visit a grandparent, girlfriend or boyfriend from outside their own household if they sit two metres apart and remain outdoors. That's how the lockdown rules have been updated so that, it quotes, as well as exercise, people can now also spend time outdoors subject to not meeting up with any more than one person from outside their household and continuing to comply with social distancing rules. However, there is some contradiction in the guidance because over 70s are still classed as clinically vulnerable, and they're advised to stay indoors as much as possible and to avoid excessive social contact. So that's a little bit confusing. People have also been a little bamboozled by the idea that they can meet up with just their mother or just their father on a park bench, but not in their own gardens. Dominic Raab clarified this morning that this idea of not meeting up in your garden meant that there would be less control over the R rate of infection. We have had a lot of confusion and there has been a bit more clarity today now that the Prime Minister has given his speech and Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, has acted as the prosecution really in drilling into some of the detail. But I think the news, of course, that people will be able to meet up with a person other than someone who has been in their own household is obviously going to be welcomed.
2: Face masks are now recommended in enclosed areas such as shops and on public transport, though that's a recommendation and not a rule. But for those breaching the social distancing rules, police will be able to issue stricter fines of up to £100 from Wednesday. Currently, they're capped at £60. Repeat offenders could see the fine double for each subsequent breach. But the Police Federation of England and Wales said the ambiguity of the new measures for England made the already challenging job of enforcing the guidelines impossible. In a time when we're being discouraged from using public transport, it seems possibly premature to even think about foreign travel. But with airlines feeling the effects of grounded planes and a nation desperate for a holiday, it's a question on everyone's minds. In the light of what we know now, should we give up hope of a trip abroad? I put that question to The Telegraph's Deputy Head of Travel, Ben
3: Ross. Well, Theodora, I guess the take-home from yesterday's announcement... Is there anyone in the UK hoping to have a holiday abroad this summer looks likely to be a bit disappointed? The line from Boris Johnson that all international arrivals, including returning holidaymakers, will have to isolate for two weeks in the near future has caused consternation in the aviation and tourism industry. Willie Walsh, the chief executive of International Airlines Group, which British Airways is part of, told MPs on the Transport Committee today that they've been planning to resume significant levels of flying in July but that they would now have to review this. And I've received plenty of comment today from travel insiders concerned about yesterday's announcement and the fact that it potentially risks the possibility of holiday firms going under. But in many ways, this is all a moot point. We're already in holidaying limbo, as there's been no mention of when the Foreign Office might lift its advisory, urging Britons to avoid all non-essential overseas travel. Quarantine is largely irrelevant if you aren't insured to travel in the first place. I think there's better news for domestic travel in the short and medium term, as Boris Johnson confirmed that you can drive as far as you like to enjoy a particular area as long as you maintain social distancing, although this only applies to England, not to Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland. And the 4th of July, all things being well, looks like being a big day, with pubs, restaurants and hotels all pencilled in for potential reopening, provided they meet the COVID-19 secure guidelines. That would, of course, be just in time for the school summer holidays, which would be a tremendous boost for the hospitality industry in England as it gets set for what is traditionally one of the busiest times for tourism. So just a hint there of optimism for travel in the future as we look forward to the beginning uh, of the end of lockdown.
2: This is Coronavirus the Latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and I'll have your next update on Tuesday evening. Until then, follow the fast moving situation on The Telegraph's live blogs. They're updated throughout the day by our stellar global health and politics teams, and they're the easiest way to stay up to date in real time. If you're not already a Telegraph subscriber, head to telegraph.co.uk slash audio, where you can get seven days free access to our journalism. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please do. It's also free, and it